welcome to seneca village it is me christine back again with another episode if you haven't eaten today go ahead rise up like a weed and go get yourself something to eat if you got wealth pods you know you can still walk around and whatever pause it or you can just take out the wealth pods and you know do what you do but yeah let's get started (laughs) all right so here's a thought and this is a thought that i've had just recently this is coming to you live from the oval office because <laughs> i'm the shit <laughs> i'm so funny here's my take i'm about tired of y'all speaking y'all ancestors name in vain what do i mean by that y'all believe in that fucking white nigga in this guy which i don't even think he was white if you think about it historically and whatever the fuck but y'all bastardize the legacies of your ancestors and quite frankly, y'all that bastardize the legacy of your ancestors when it comes to the elections, I was like, your ancestors died for this. They, they died for this. They, they, they were in love for this. Um, niggas who say that, I'm sorry. Y'all the niggas that Harriet left behind and shot in the motherfucking woods. So to say that your ancestors quote unquote died for your right to vote is, it is speaking ill on their fucking names. It is bastardizing the legacies that they created and upheld because y'all make it seem, y'all make racism seem like it's fucking fixable. You make it seem like your ancestors were trying to fix racism. When y'all have to realize, white supremacy got y'all fucked up in the head for y'all not to realize racism is a white people problem, okay? It is a straight Caucasian creation. It's a CC, Caucasian creation. And all the Negroes have to fucking deal with that shit, okay? They have to deal with the burnt end of racism. And racism also calls for black people to prop themselves up as footstools and chairs and fucking baby wipes for white people when they get uncomfortable. And I'm not in the business of doing that shit at the fuck all. Are you shitting me? That's not my fucking problem. So when you have that, and then when you sit here and say, your ancestors fought for your right, no, I'd like to think my ancestors wanted to go to the motherfucking dentist. I'd like to think my ancestors wanted to do simple shit, like eat vanilla ice cream without being fucking rung up by the motherfucking neck. I'd like to think my ancestors wanted to fucking walk on a fucking sidewalk and that they fucking broke their back to fucking built. I'd like to think my ancestors wanted to conduct a motherfucking train that they fucking built the railroads for. I'd like to think that shit. The last thing I'd like to think, the last thing on my ancestors' minds was participating in a fucking system that didn't allow them to go to the dentist, didn't allow them to go to fucking school prior to 1865, especially in the fucking South. I'd like to think that. I'd like to think my ancestors wanted to live a nice, happy life. I'd like to think my ancestors were key people on bringing around niggas to fucking go to school in the South during the American Reconstruction period, which started in 1865. I'd like to think that. I refuse to believe my answers only existed for my right to vote. Are you fucking shitting me? And quite frankly, for those who may sit and say, well, what has not voting got us? Well, in fucking Haiti, 
they ain't fucking vote. They just lit them niggas up like a motherfucking Christmas tree, bitch. And they went across the street to fucking the Dominican Republic and fucking freed them niggas too. So for y'all to sit here and bastardize your ancestors' legacies, it makes a thousand percent sense why the shit ain't working out for y'all niggas. Why the shit that you really fucking want ain't fucking working for you. Because you're sitting here watering down their fucking message the same way white people watered down Martin Luther King down to a fucking soundbite for their sake of comfortability. I like to think my ancestors were with the fucking shit. I like to think my ancestors were one of them niggas that shot the niggas for fucking Harriet and all the other people that were on the Underground Railroad and everything like that. I would really like to fucking think that. And a part of me feels like that was fucking true. Because I ain't no fucking coonette. Y'all sit here and bastardize the legacies of your ancestors when I tell you they're rolling in the motherfucking graves and hexing you and making it extra difficult since you want to sit there and bastardize their fucking legacies in every which way you can just to participate in something that you really don't give a fuck about until it comes around November. You're not sitting here doing community things. You're not you're not doing anything to help the community of black people. Helping white people Okay, you fucking do that, but I'd really help black people before I help a white person. I give money to a black person before I give money to a white person. And capitalism makes it seem like I'm in the wrong for that when I know that I am not. So I say this to say, y'all are truly, 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 truly terrible for bastardizing your ancestors and speaking their names in vain when y'all wouldn't dare do that to the fucking nigga you call God and fucking Jesus that was used to justify your fucking enslavement, that was used to justify treating you like shit, that was used to justify to put you in fucking shitty schools, that was used to justify all the fucking terrible things that are still actively happening to black people. But you know not to speak their name in vain. White settler colonialism got y'all so fucked up that speaking ill on your ancestors is what you need to do in order to cozy up to whatever fucking adjacency you have to whiteness, especially if you're not no biracial, high yellow fucking black person. But even then, you still have to deal with the burnt end of racism and fucking speaking ill on your ancestors' name, it don't really get you that motherfucking far. It don't. It gets you as far as you can probably throw your motherfucking self. I wanted to address such things because I'm fucking tired of y'all fucking saying this shit. Like, I'm dead fucking tired. Like, it's annoying. Like, it's really annoying and really irritating. Well, do you talk to me? I sure the fuck do. I be sitting there. I had a nice little altar in my room. I had some painkillers because I know I be working in last nerve. <laughs> the water and you know maybe like a little snack like maybe like some candy or whatever because you know them fucking bugs and tos i ain't i want no bugs and shit but i had something like i always had some sort of offering and always you know talk to my ancestors in the way that i see fit and everything like that and i'd like to think they've guided me and helped me in a sense to where you know i will always be appreciative and grateful for it like even on small shit like even when I can't remember something and I immediately remember it, I'm like, oh, thanks, ancestors. Thank y'all. Y'all doing it. I see y'all. When I tell you I, I appreciate and love my ancestors deeply and dearly, and I do wish to try to, you know, track them and 
try to figure out who they was and what they what they be and what they did because I learned some really cool stuff from my aunt uh, saying that we were in like South Carolina and Georgia and stuff and I was like ooh could it be Gullagichi and I don't I'm not saying it's impossible but it would be cool if that was the case it would have been super super cool if that was the case but yeah that's where I'm at now so as y'all know times are no longer hard on the boulevard because you know joseph biden is now the 46th president of these ratchet ass states now here's the thought here's the thought hear me out hear me out i think the tax plan is at play because you know you gotta make over four hundred thousand dollars a year so y'all niggas working at bojangles he ain't talking about you <laughs> The niggas that's making over $400,000 a year, the 400 stacks, the 400 beans. That money that is being taxed is going to be used to buy our Yeezy Fit to be in the gender-inclusive prison run by Cop Mala and the Blasians. All the um the wardens and shit in the prison, the gender-inclusive prisons, they're going to be Blasian because, you know, representation. So that's, that's the shit that we on, gender-inclusive prison. I'm so excited. So, I mean... If y'all already got Yeezys, that ugly ass, oatmeal ass fucking shit, the slides, the pants, you know, the shirts and shit that's toe up from the flow up, keep them. Because then you won't have to get a new pair when we go to our gender inclusive prisons. I'm happy that Maya Rudolph and Jim Carrey, when I tell you them motherfuckers about to be in their bags, I'm happy that they pockets be aligned. And depending on how much they pockets be in line, probably they gonna make over 400 stack. They gonna fund I Yeezy Fit. And I think it will be dope to, um, <laughs> I would suggest that at the inauguration in January, you know, they gonna have like all the D9 there strolling, but because Duck If You Buck and that one song by Boosie, I can't remember to set it off. Uh, they, they ain't gonna fucking play that. They ain't gonna play no chopper style. They ain't, they ain't gonna play that because that's gonna scare the white folks. Y'all gonna have to dance. Well, they, the D9 gonna have to stroll to fucking Ariana Grande or some bullshit, you know, dangerous woman and goddess woman. Y'all gonna have to stroll to that because playing Nuck if you buck, that's gonna scare some folks. <laughs> and then uh, Queen of the Coonets, Ava Coonane and the opportunists are gonna, you know, coming out the woodworks and everything like that. <laughs> Ooh, oh, the UPS ain't driving the, the truck like a Hellcat today. So, <laughs> the city girls can't perform at the inauguration. They can have city girls do God is a woman. <laughs> little d9 control to it this is too funny for me what else is going to be happening oh i get it. it goes back to regular microaggression instead of you know straight raw staunch racism you feel me so it's gonna i'm gonna be getting a lot of oh you smart for a black girl oh i miss them days i miss them you smart for a black girl days oh i miss them days so damn much and another thing, I'ma need, damn it, damn it, damn it. Shouts out to having, you know, a common Irish last name. Irish and British you need to, you know, put respect on the colonizers. Oh. 
Because, you know, when I went to the dentist, Shorty asked me, oh, what's your name, sweetie? What's your last name, sweetie? Harris. Like Kamala? No, like Christine. Don't do that. Don't fucking do that shit. Because, no. If I can speak in all caps, no. So, you know, it, that's, that's, the, that's, that's what we in for. I'm excited. She gonna lock these niggas up. She ain't gonna get the opportunist. She gonna get the niggas that don't want to adhere to the coon and the coonette agenda. So that's gonna be exciting. Do understand, there ain't gonna be no damn cookout at the inauguration because she got a white husband. Cop Mala seemed like the type of person to put fucking raisins and every fucking thing. So don't be eating shit at that fucking cookout. Fucking tears ass shit. But believe it or not, Trump probably gonna be all booty but her I mean he is because the tradition of the transition of office the current sitting president has to fire everybody so the uh, new one doesn't have to deal with the unpleasantries of firing them <laughs> so that in itself is going to be interesting but yeah so here's my little um like you never heard it before we are doing this on Anne Lowe. Well, first African-American to become a noted fashion designer. Who is she? Anne Lowe, essentially, she was born in Alabama. You know, her mother was an enslaved woman and her mother was also a seamstress because you know, that was normally a common task of the enslaved women and whatever. And her mother suddenly died when she was 16. Her mother died in the middle of making a dress for the first city of Alabama, and Anna was like, ooh, shit, let me, uh, get the stitching. So she got the stitching, made the dress, you know, did what it do. She designed Jackie Kennedy's dress, you know, JFK's wife that got, like, toddler teeth and whatever. <laughs> but, like, to put in perspective the kind of dresses that she made, like, if y'all haven't seen Princess and the Frog, go watch Princess and the Frog. But more specifically, pay attention to like the beginning of Princess and the Frog where like Tiana's mom and how like Tiana's mom made like dresses and shit and whatever for the fucking white girl and shit and whatever. Like those are the kind of dress that's the, like, like to think and I just been really searching and scouring Google for like the longest and I can't really find any kind of like text or anything that kind of relates to Princess and the Frog and Anne Lowe. But from what I understand, from what I was reading about her, it seemed to me that Anne Lowe was some sort of inspiration for Tiana's mom. Maybe I haven't looked deeply enough. Uh, she was working on making like ball gowns for like the first lady of Alabama. Similar to the same shit that Tiana's mama was doing in Princess and the Frog. And uh, using the skills that she learned from her mother and grandmother, like she finished the dresses that her mother was supposed to finish, you feel me? And in 1912, she married a guy named Arthur Lee. And during their marriage, obviously, cause men be doing that fuck shit, telling her, I don't want you working. I, don't, I want you to give up your life. Take care of these damn kids. Move to Florida. But you know, she complied a little bit. You know, she was like, All right, I'ma just, design dresses in Florida. You know, I can do that shit at home, take care of my kids. She got two kids, by the way. And then she left that nigga. Good for you, Ann, good for you. You left that ancient nigga. 
1917 and her and her son moved to New York City, used her skills to, you know, get her to the design school, which was at S.T. Taylor Design School. The school was segregated. Dumbass shit, obviously, because, you know, this was during, like, the early 1900s. Caveat, I find it kind of fucking funky how, like, white schools went every motherfucking which way to segregate a damn school. Be like, no. We are going to put you in a classroom by your fucking self where you have a teacher that don't even want to show up or whatever, not to say the teacher didn't want to show up. But it's like, to me, like you going every which way, keeping the school open later for no damn reason where you can really, like I hate to say it, y'all couldn't just put her in the back of the class. Like, for real. Like y'all were dad pressed. Are you that pressed that you be showed up by someone who was making dresses for the first lady of Alabama? But whatever. After she graduated in 1919, her and her son moved to Tampa, Florida, and then she'd open up a salon called Annie Cohen, a salon that was catered to members of high society. And she became a success because her shit was dope. Her shit was cool. Like she had the little taffeta, little silk, little flowers, the little, it's some nice shit. Like she has some nice, nice, nice shit. After saving 20 bands of her earnings, she returned back to New York City in 1928 for the time. She was a commission designer for, you know, places like Neiman Marcus, Saxon Fifth Ave, Chestonia. I've only heard of two of them. I guess that shows how broke I am. And I guess she probably wouldn't make some shit for me because I ain't got like that. <laughs> Dying the dress. Uh, shorty named Olivia de Havilland. She was in To Each His Own. She got an award for probably not having any lips. Oh. <laughs> Better like, <laughs> I thought I had stopped when I went to like look up to see like what this white lady got like the Academy Award for because I was just curious. And I guess I didn't, so boom. <laughs> oh, the best actress. Yo, that's fucked up. But let's see if she got some of this. Yo. I mean, I'm being mean. She got a bottom lip though. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Let me look. Let me look at her little picture, or whatever. Ooh. Yeah. She got yeah, she got a little bottom lip. She got a little something. It don't look like an open wound, so. <laughs> Yeah, that's fucked up. Accepted Academy Award in Anne Lowe's dress for the best actress in each his own. And she also started in Gone with the Wind. I only knew that because I looked that shit up because I don't keep up with these white folks. And it just so happened that Hattie McDaniel also won an Oscar. I don't know if she was in the Anne Lowe dress. I think it would have been cool, but Anne Lowe, she seemed a little classist and whatever. But Hattie McDaniel was the first African-American woman to win an Academy Award for her role as, unfortunately, a man and Gone with the Wind, the same film that Olivia de Havilland starred in and also double, triple points in 1964. Sidney Poitier, where he was the first African-American man to win an Academy Award for Best Actor as his role as a construction worker who helps build the chapel in Lilies of the Field. Obviously, they give awards to the niggas that be doing fucking labor and shit. Hattie hmm. McDaniel being the goddamn maid. Sydney Portier being a damn construction worker. But damn, can niggas just, you know, get some shit for just acting? Did they give her credit for making her dress? No, because that's the shit that white people be doing. In 1953, she was hired to design a wedding address, well, to design the wedding dress for Jackie Kennedy and make um, 
and the dresses for the bridesmaids and stuff for the September wedding for the then Senator JFK who died on 11 2263 I know that because I read a Stephen King book about it um which was pretty good you know Lowe's dress that she made for Jackie Kennedy consisted of 50 yards of ivory silk taffeta with interwoven bands of tucking forming the bodice and the similar tucking in large circular designs swept around the full skirt. I'm gonna, I'm gonna include a picture. The dress at the time cost $500, which now today would be $5,000, cause you know, inflation. And you know, the dress that was described as the New York Times in detail, the wedding was a very publicized event, you know, like the royal wedding or whatever. Lowe did not receive credit for her work. Why am I not surprised? She opened up, her and her son opened up a second salon in New York City called Ann Lowe's Gowns on Lexington Avenue in 1950. And she had one of a kind designs made from the finest fabrics and immediate success and attracted many wealthy high society clients. So she was out here like doing a thing, making these fire ass dresses, but no one was giving her fucking credit. Like what the fuck? So um, one of the design elements that she was known for was her fine handiwork, sig signature flowers and trapunto. Boom, look at that. Ah, I speak Italian, nigga. Let me stop. So she was known for her trapunto technique and whatever. So boom, check me out. Jackie Kennedy, nobody on that fucking team because racism didn't want to give Anlo credit. So because they didn't want to give her credit, she's like, you know what? I'ma upcharge you motherfuckers. And that's exactly what she did. And the white people were complaining, but they still bought it though. You know, she continued to, you know, do her thing and whatever. She later admitted at the height of career that she was virtually broke. Like she was literally broke as shit because a lot of the money that she, you know, accumulated from making these dresses went to her getting enough materials to make these dresses. You feel me? So she received the Couturier of the Year Award in 1962 and a couturier and i'm reading this straight off the net the goog it is <coughs> a fashion designer who manufactures and sells clothes that have been tailored to the client's specific requirements and measurements the origin is late 19th french from couture huh the more you know because who would have thunk not me not me not me at all not me and it's the last name of American Canadian hockey player that's 27 years old he's 6'3 and he's only worth two million dollars in fact I'm like only <laughs> but yeah in 1962 she lost her salon in New York City after failing to pay taxes of course of fucking course I'm pretty sure if she was a white with fucking baby ass teeth they would you know let her slide but you know, whatever, white people doing the white people thing, as per usual. But in that same year, her right eye was removed due to glaucoma. And while she was recuperating, an anonymous friend paid for her debts and enabled her to work again. So whoever paid for her debts, she don't know who, I don't know who, the internet don't know who. Shout out to you, though. So, and she was out here selling some mo. Sell some mo. But you know, after the second time she married, that marriage also ended. And she said, and I quote, my second husband left me. He said he wanted a real wife, not one who was forever jumping out of the bed to sketch it, to sketch a dress. What a bitch. <laughs> like men are fucking bitches for real. He could have cooked and clean. Like I'm pretty sure he didn't go off and die at a war and be a real husband. The fuck? And then she adopted her daughter, Ruth Alexander, 
in the 1930s. The Saturday evening poster later called Lowe's Society's Best Kept Secret. Throughout her career, she was best known for being highly selective and choosing her clientele. She described herself as an awful snob, adding to herself, I love my clothes and I'm particular about who wears them. I'm not interested in sewing for cafe, society, and social climbers. I don't cater to Mary and Sue. I sew for the members of the social register. Um, I don't know how I feel about that part. Like, I get it, but like, the niggas that you're sewing for don't give a fuck about you to pay you enough, but I guess. They had a son, Arthur Lee, the one that she took with her to Florida. And he worked as her business partner until he died in a car accident in 1958, which is gravely unfortunate since so he lost her child. Thirty, she lived in an apartment on Manhattan Avenue in Harlem. Her older sister lived with her and they were both members of the United the St. Mark's United Methodist Church. She got glaucoma in her right eye and it was like really hard for her. You know, she couldn't see out her right eye. And then she got cataracts in the left eye, but you know, surgery fixed that and whatever. I wonder if she was gonna sell some shit to niggas. Let me see if, I'ma ask the Google. Black people in and low dresses. Let me see. Oh. No, I did only see the white women, so white women, but she was most known for uh, Jackie Kennedy's dress. That shit was tough though. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'm literally not gonna fucking lie. I like to think that she really just bought Southern shit up North. Like, this is some real deal, like Southern style type shit. And it's like, when you think about like Princess and the Frog and like Tiana's mom, I couldn't find any literature or anything about it, but I like to think Ann Lowe was like Tiana's mom type shit, like in Princess of Rome. Minus her, you know, being a little, I won't say uppity, rest of soul and everything like that, not wanting to make dresses for commoners. Like I get, you know, she's trying to secure her bag and stuff, but there was a way, you know, you could, you could be like Telfar Clemens, you know, make it for Lottie Dottie everybody, because that's where you would definitely get people to pay you. <laughs> and you have more people, cause it's more poor people than it is rich people, even back then. But what do I know? <laughs> well, you know, she didn't want to do that. But you know, that's her business, that's her money. You know, I don't be pocket watching niggas and whatever. But you know, that was Ann Lowe. You know, she made dress for the first lady who watched her husband die in front of her in Dallas, Texas at the hands of um, Lee Harvey Oswald on 11-22-63. So, <laughs> but yeah, you know, Ann Lowe, she, you know, she did thing and whatever. She made the dresses, made her money. Lost a shop, got another shop, lost the eye, got her eye together, and boom. She, um, in the last five years of her death, she lived with her, her daughter and her daughter Ruth in Queens that she adopted, and she died in her daughter's home on February 25th, 1981, after extended illness, and the funeral was held at St. Mark's United Methodist Church on March 3rd. Five days later would have been my birthday in 1981, but I was not even thought of at all. And that's okay. That is okay. Um, I was vibing in a ball sack during that time. <laughs> but I was though. I was just vibing. <laughs> so I already mentioned Telfar um, bags, which is a black owned business. And they got cute little bags. I got me a little big and whatever. I got me a small little bag. But that is, this is not for... Um, that the business that I'm going to promote 
is boop, 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 my cousin. My cousin Aida, she's my older. Yeah, she's older than me. Yeah, by a couple months. Yeah, she has her own business called 927 Minx. She's selling them eyelashes. She sells a um, 20 to 25 millimeter 4D luxury mink lashes, nationwide shipping. You could DM for pickup or shipping. She's located here in the Philadelphia area. I do not wear eyelashes because I just don't. But the packaging is really, really cute with her stuff. The lashes are really, really cute. I'm looking at um, lashes that she got called Lavish, the 20, 20 uh, millimeters. I think that's the unit of measurement being used. And it's $12 plus shipping. Yeah, they're like really, really cute. Very much affordable lashes. She also has lip scrubs called uh, Tender Kisses. She has apple, apricot, banana cream, blackberry, black cherry, blueberry, cranberry, grape, mango, melon, raspberry, strawberry, lemonade, tropical punch, pomegranate, pear, peach, pineapple, orange cream, strawberry, kiwi, watermelon, green apple, and cherry. The customer reviews are very much positive, very much in love. The lip scrubs smell good and they feel amazing amazing on people all lash styles are like $12 so it's pretty affordable I like to say I haven't purchased anything from her but I think I'm gonna purchase some lip scrubs from her and everything and she also has the results from using lip scrubs the, her Instagram page so that is something to also look out for very professional very sweet um yeah this is my cousin's this is 927 uh, mint it looks like an alarm clock that was definitely the premise that she was going for so yeah, y'all check her out. She does do domestic shipping. So if y'all want some nice little minks to be excessively blinking and looking cute and whatever, adding a little uh, to your style and everything like that, go ahead and buy from my cousin. Cause you know, we do that. We support, we support family members in this house, right here. Even if it, even if I'm not gonna buy it, like I understand, I'm not her customer base, but I can promote to people who are her customer base. You know, get help her secure her coins. You feel me? So yeah, check out at nine two seven minx on Instagram. I will include all the pictures and everything like that. Yeah, I hope y'all be easy again. I hope y'all ate today and everything like that. And yeah, y'all be easy.